0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Ezra chapter 8 Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Ezra. Something like that. Um, I wanted to correct your pastor on one thing the meeting does not end tonight this is the beginning Amen. Yeah, that's right. if you've truly experienced revival this is just the beginning yes. And we're going to see what God's going to do over this year yeah, yeah. so I look forward to that seeing what God's going to do through this church So if you found Ezra, I hope you didn't follow my instructions about the New Testament. If you finally found it against my counsel, would you stand to your feet? Sure. Okay. There was a man in the Bible that faced a monumental endeavor. See, the temple had been rebuilt uh, back in Jerusalem. God was looking for someone to lead the people. Uh It was uh, during the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, there was a scribe, and this scribe was sent back to Jerusalem with a whole armload of stuff, with gold and silver and animals and, and more than that, even hundreds of people leading these people back to Jerusalem to, to reinstitute the worship of the true and living God right. back there in Jerusalem. And from where they were in Babylon to get to Jerusalem was about a four-month journey. Yes. And it was a perilous, long, difficult, dangerous journey with these perhaps thousands of people. And these people were not warriors. Well, right. no, these folks were used to being slaves. They'd been captured. They'd been carried off to Babylon. But as usual, God had a man that was equal to the task. Right? Ezra was that man. He was no common man. If you were to read in chapter 7 and verse 10, your eyes may fall over there. It tells us that Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, to do it and to teach it. So, Ezra, he did the right thing here. He's starting out on this journey. He not only prepared himself, but he's trying to prepare the people for this journey. And we find ourselves here in Ezra chapter 8. I'm going to read in verse 21. The Bible says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might afflict ourselves before our God, to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones. For all our substance. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way. Because we had spoken unto the king saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him. Yes, amen. But his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. Right. So with God's help tonight, I want to look at this passage and some of the other scriptures here and and have each one of us ask ourselves the question am i content with man's best or do i want god's best Amen. That's good. let's pray heavenly father god thank you lord for your goodness your mercy your love your long suffering with us i don't know why you spend any time wanting to deal with us but you love us and I'm so grateful and thankful for that and for everything that you've done for us. Now God, we come to you tonight needy. We need to hear from you. Yes. And so God, I pray that this word that goes out tonight these these verses that we've read, God would you'd add your power to them. And God, it would might fall on hearts that are prepared to receive it and God it might change us. I don't want my words to change anything, but I want your word to change hearts. I want your word to have the impact that it deserves. So, God, would you be honored in this place? I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Amen. <clears throat> I got to ask if, is this the same water from this morning? I'm not sure what they pumped into Brother Kitchen, so when he was in the army, I'd get some of that. And I tell you, if it, if it made me sing like that and preach like that, it might, might want some of that. Praise the Lord. So we see here with Ezra. first thing that Ezra decided to do When he gathered these people up together, he said, "The first thing I see that we need to do is we need to proclaim a fast." We can't think about that. How would a how would a fast prepare us? See, that sends a message to God by by saying no to ourselves. We say, "God, this is how important our request. This is how important we want it to be to you to hear what we're asking." God. We're trying to show you how serious we are and how needy we are. So God, we're asking, we're begging you, we're begging to hear from you. Their desire was to send a message to God, but also they sought to hear from him. What the verse tells us there. It says that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way. That's the, what they wanted to hear from God, the right way to go. They needed that right way. We're serious, God, and we see our need, and we need to know the right way to go. That sounds like a good plan, good start. Why was that so important? Why did Ezra think that was the most important thing to do to start with? He tells us very clearly in verse 22. And this is what really caught my eye in this passage when he used the word ashamed. He says, I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldier horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way I I look at this he was ashamed to ask for soldiers from the king it was not in a sense of pride at all no that had nothing to do with it all of it had to do with how it would reflect on the God that they purposed to go and serve. It would have been a shame. In Ezra's eyes, it would have been a shame to stoop to the level of asking for protection to go and worship a God that would dishonor the testimony of God's power to provide and to protect. Ezra says it there in verse 22. He says, because we had spoken unto the king saying the hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him. We've sought him, so now we expect the hand of our God to be good on us. So if they asked for protection from the king, he wanted to make sure, Ezra, he was dying to make sure that his his way matched his words. That his walk matched his talk. He couldn't say, oh, God is good, God protects, God provides. Uh, we're going to worship the one, only, true and living God and then say, well, we need some help along the way. We need some soldiers to protect us. They couldn't be worried about how are we going to make it on this trip. Oh, by the way, we're going to worship the one, true and living God, but we need some help. No, 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 he was too ashamed. He said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to dishonor the testimony of God by fretting and moaning. The whole reason that Ezra is leading these people back is to reinstitute the worship of the true and living God. If they fell victims along the way, God would seem powerless. And the heathen would consider worshiping God false and vain. When I see this, Ezra, he had... More anxiety for the glory of God than his own personal safety. Now think about that. He was more concerned about the image of God than he was about his own personal safety. That ought to speak to us. This was a man who had sought God. Now, Ezra's going to say some things here in, in the last part of verse 22 that not very popular today, I don't think. He said, the hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and wrath is against all them that forsake him. See, Ezra gives us two options. He doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room. He says, you either seek him or you forsake him. Now that sounds harsh, doesn't it? I don't think Ezra would have a megachurch today. He was living in our time. These are not smooth words. These are not words that tickle the ears of of people walking the streets today. I don't think he'd be very popular. But I don't think Ezra's that concerned about being popular. He was more concerned about the glory of God. Now, those that seek him, what's the result? We just read it. The hand of, of God is good on them. If you forsake These next words don't sound pleasant to me. They make me nervous to say that God's power and his wrath would be against me. So we've got two options. We seek him or we forsake him. If we seek him, his hand is upon all them for good. If we forsake him, power and wrath. And yet that is the options that Ezra gives us. Ezra says now... I don't want to ask for any soldiers to protect us because we've already told the king the hand of our God is a good upon all them that seek him. So he called the people together, proclaimed the fast, said now now it's time for us to believe this word and act on it. It's time for us to think about God's faithfulness and act on it. We can't be like every other godless person around us, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not at all advocating that they're saying anything. We need to act like this. No, no, no. We need to believe this and act on it. Do something because of God's faithfulness. God knows our hearts anyway. Ezra, you, you boil it down. He's saying. Uh, Now, here's the thing, because on our own, on this long journey with all of these things and really no soldiers, on our own, we have no chance. With the king's help, we maybe have a chance, but we bring shame to our God. But if we enlist the hand of God, he's assuring them all will be well. All will be well. What Ezra is saying is, is I'm going to trust the supplier of all things before I trust the king and his means. I want to trust him. I want to trust him to take care of that. So under Ezra's leadership here, look at the next verse, verse 23. It says, so we fasted and besought our God, and I find the next part of this, and he wasn't treated of us. Now they haven't even taken the trip yet. But Ezra... He says, it's already taken care of. He's just saying, it's already taken care of. God's already got this taken care of. God was entreated of us. Now we look at the end of the story, skip down to verse 31. Then we departed from the river of Ahab on the twelfth day of the first month to go into Jerusalem. And guess what? The hand of our God was upon us. And he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and of such as lay in wait by the way. See that's the evidence of God hearing their pleas that God's hand was upon them for good. They were safely delivered from the enemy and of the arrival of all who traveled with them. So Ezra's principle seems like it works. Seems like it works. And we can look at this and say, what a beautiful story of faith and trust in God to provide because he is trustworthy. The folks, they got together, they cleansed themselves, they sought him, and they trusted him. And it worked. Now we have the matter this evening of applying this biblical truth to us. to, To ask the question, what difference does this make to me. Let's apply this truth. Well, I, I've got a series of questions for us to chew on a little bit. First one is have you sought the right way from God? Here's another one. Are you seeking him in all that you do? Here's the third might be telling is the hand of God upon all that you do for good. I, I, I always love this. Are, are you attempting anything that only God could do? I'm not talking about what you can do. I'm not talking about anything that you work up in yourself to accomplish. I'm talking about attempting something that I can't do and only God can do. What are, we tr- are we trying those kinds of things? something that is apparent to everyone around us that that person could not have done that and only God could have accomplished that through that person. Yes. I have to ask the question, where is our faith? Where is our faith? That trusting faith, that, that faith that thinks all things are possible. That faith that does not doubt. I think that a childlike faith. You know when you when you're a kid, I don't know if your dad did this when you were a kid. Dad put me up on the kitchen counter and say jump. Yes. When you're a kid, maybe you have some thoughts, maybe you have some questions, but what do you do? You jump. Right? Because you know your dad's there to catch you. Uh-huh. And see, young people can have faith like that. Because they don't let a lot of life get in the way. Right. Yeah. But then we get older. Yeah, yeah. We get older. Yeah. And we start thinking about all the things that can go wrong. Right. Right. Yeah. My dad put me up on the counter right now. My dad'll be 90 in a couple of months. <laughs> dad said, jump. I'd say, to who? Not you, Dad. Yeah. Now see, see, we get all caught up in all the things that can go wrong. Yeah. We don't have that childlike faith anymore. Right. Help us. Mm. We need to have that childlike faith. Because we doubt too much. We don't, we don't trust as much as we should. Yeah, right. I think of the story of, of Peter getting out of the boat when he wanted to walk to Jesus and as long as I think maybe he was within arm's reach of the boat, he was doing okay. When he got just outside that arm's reach and what did he do? He started looking around. Mm-hmm. And what did he do next? He started to sink. Yeah. We don't trust always like we should. We look to the means. We could, I could say we look to the king more often than we look to the provider of all things. Yes. Right. The question is, do we want man's best or do we want God's best? We, we heard a, some things this morning in, in men's prayer meeting about David yeah. and the armor, right? See, that was the best that man could provide for David when he was going up against Goliath. The very best that man could offer him was some armor that didn't fit. Nobody else wanted to fight Goliath. David says, is there not a cause? I'll face this Philistine. And the best that King Saul could provide him was his armor that didn't even fit little David. That was man's best. And if David would have went to battle in man's best, what would have happened? Right. I don't think the story would have ended the same. Yeah, you're right. God's best for David was, was a sling and a few smooth stones. I think of Gideon. When Gideon, that mighty man of valor, yeah. who God found hiding, trying to find some food... When, when God finally got into him and he blew the trumpet and 30,000 men gathered, 32,000 men gathered to go against, against this army that couldn't be numbered. 32,000 men against an army that couldn't be numbered. God looked at that and said, Gideon, you got way too many men. If you won the battle with 32,000 men, You'll think you did it. You'll think you did it. So Gideon says, well, okay. Um, Anybody that's scared and afraid, go home. 22,000 went home. Left him with 10,000 men. Again, I like to picture things here. And and I'm I'm visualizing Gideon and seeing all a third of his men go home and and maybe counting up the numbers to see 10,000 and going... Okay, now, 10,000? God says, oh, no, no, you still got too many. Go down to the creek. Ends up with 300 men. Now imagine this. Imagine Gideon going to battle with the 32,000 that first came. How do you think the battle would have come? That was man's best. Man's best was 32,000 men against a that, uh, an army that could not be numbered. Would not have turned out the same. But with the three hundred that God provided, it was just enough. Man's best? Or do we want God's best? I, I challenge us. Let's let's think about, let's consider, let's consider God's best. You're here in Ezra 8. I want you to go over to Mark chapter 6. You don't have to hold your finger here. Mark chapter six. Matthew, Mark, Luke John, Mark chapter six. I got something I got something you need to see. Mark chapter six, um, look with me there in verse seven. Mark chapter six. And he called unto him, Jesus called unto him, the twelve and began to send them forth by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Now this is an interesting story, I love this story. Jesus takes his close followers, divides them up in twos and sends them out and gives them the power to do what he commissions them to do. Now, let's skip down a little bit. Look in, uh, look in verse 30. Now, this is after everything was said and done. The, the, the 12 had been sent out, and they've come back. Look at verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what, what's the next word? They, they. what they had done, and what they had done had taught. I'm trying to visualize this. So, Jesus commissions them, Jesus sends them out, he gives them the power, and they come back, like usual, when they get together, they start talking about, look at what I did. Uh, You remember other times when they're arguing about, who's going to be the greatest? Seems like that's what happens when they get together every time. They start talking about, This is what we did, Jesus. And I find the reaction that Jesus has to be very interesting in the next verse. Look at verse 31. I I see humor here. Verse 31, and he said to them, Come ye yourselves apart into the desert place and rest a while. You guys have been very hard at work. You guys have been toiling and I, I see that you have done so much in the work. So y'all need to come apart a little bit and rest a while. And so he takes them apart. Uh, this, it just gets better, so follow with me. <clears throat> uh, verse 32, they departed into a desert place by ship privately. 33, people saw them departing and many knew him and ran afoot. They ran ahead to the place where they were going. Uh, Verse 34, Jesus when he came out saw much people and was moved with compassion. There's that word again. Was moved with compassion. Love in action. Jesus was moved with compassion. Because he says right here, as they were as sheep not having a shepherd and began to teach them many things. Now, verse 35, the day was now far spent. Disciples came to him and said, "Uh, uh, Jesus is a desert place. Uh. Now the time is far past. Send them away, Jesus, that they may go and buy something to eat. And I love the reaction that Jesus has here. He says, you take care of them. You feed them. You guys who have been all these places and done all these things and taught all these things, you take care of them. Now can you imagine their reaction to that? They say, oh, Jesus... If we had 200 days wages of bread, 200 days wages of bread, uh, if you read along in the story later it says that there was 5,000 men there, 5,000 men, 200 days wages of bread for 5,000 men, it wouldn't be a whole lot would it, just be a little morsel, might be a snack for 5,000 men not counting women, children, whoever else was there. Yeah. So the best that the disciples who had gone and, gone and taught all these things and done all these things was to give them just a little snack. Oh, yeah. What did Jesus do? Well, what do we have? Whatever we have, let's take what we have. You know what I'll do? Mm-hmm. I'll add my blessing to Say it. Amen. And once Jesus adds His blessing to what is brought to Him, what happens? Bible says. Bible says everybody was filled, yes. and there was remnants left over. Yes. Amen. So man's best was what? Just a little snack. Right. Like God's that. best, everybody left full, and there was stuff left over. Amen. Ah. Uh, uh, are we content with man's best? I think we live too often over here just saying, this is what, this is what I can do. And maybe we never step over into the realm of faith and say, what can God do through me? It's a matter of, are we content with man's best or do we want to take a step of faith and see what God might want to do through us? What are we trusting in? Who are we trusting in? Whose hand are we trusting in? Is it man's or God? I got a few verses here that might help convince you a little bit. It says, Psalm 20, verse 7, Some trust in chariots and some in horses. That'd be man's best. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. God's best. Isaiah, verse 31, verse 1. Chapter 31, verse 1. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help who rely on horses, who trust in the multitudes of their chariots and in the strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. Man's best in, the, in the Egypt and the horses and the chariots, that'd be the best that man could ride. Or do we want to count on God? Now, don't, don't call me a heretic here, but I'm going to put this verse in the context of modern day. I want to exchange a few words and call this my, my uh, parallel here. Woe to those who go down to the government for help. Who rely on 401ks. Who trust in the multitudes of their stocks and bonds and in the strength of their portfolio. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. You see, when when we step out on faith, when we don't don't accept man's best, if we we step out on faith looking for God's best, we make him responsible for us. When we abandon man's best and trust God, we make him responsible for us. When we step out on nothing but faith, and I think if I'm not mistaken, the Bible still, still says what is not of faith is Sin. He's going to take that trust that we put in it and set his guards around us. Because that's what he did for Ezra. Right. Amen. They made it. That's good. They made it all the way. <clears throat> now if we don't do that. Let's just run a for instance here. For instance we don't do that. What's the result of that? Well it's hypocrisy. That's a result of that, it's hypocrisy. When we preach something, but we practice something else. Especially as it concerns trust in an unseen hand or reliance on the visible helps. When we say we trust God, but we chase everything, and we try to figure everything out and forget about God, our message is negated by our actions. Now, I need you, need you to understand. I need to be very clear. I'm not talking about reckless irresponsibility. Yeah. I am talking about outrageous faith. Yes, sir. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Outrageous faith. Yes. That's what we ought to display. So now I've got to, I've got to ask you have this, you had this. Yeah. Did you put down man's best? or God's best. Did you seek God in this? Maybe you just promised to do for missions what your hand could do instead of trusting God. Could be as brother brother Rob preached here and my, maybe holding back your life knowing that Maybe God has something so much bigger than you can ever imagine. Can I testify? So much bigger than I could ever imagine. I had a career that I loved. I absolutely loved it. I enjoyed every minute of it. And then I accepted a promotion into the work of God. And I have zero regrets. Zero regrets. Having a front row seat to watch God work in someone's life. Yes. Nothing like it. Can't compare to that. Yes. Maybe you're trusting in yourself and limiting God's ability to work through you. It could be you hear testimonies of people that see see God do great things for them. They've got these stories... Uh, you sit there with no stories like that because you never gave God an opportunity to do anything for you. To do anything miraculous on your behalf because it's all mapped out by your hand. And there's no faith involved. There's No faith involved. You see, most often, the failures that happen in our lives they don't come from they don't come from trusting in God. We trust in God, there's no failures there. Most often there's failures when we trust in means. Yep. That's right. I tell you, we can look at this stories that we just talked about here in the Bible, Ezra, David, Gideon, Jesus' lesson to the disciples. Maybe we find it, find it hard to believe. We, we read about these things and we'll say, what a wonderful story. But you know, the God that they served is the same God that we serve. It's the same God. And do you think he wanted to do more for them than he wants to do for us? No, I, think he's, I think he is excited When someone takes a step of faith, they say, I don't want man's best. I want to be over here in God's best. It would be a shame to stoop to the level of trusting in man's best when we have an alternative and it's God's best. So Eastside Baptist Church, that decision is up to you individually. You can be content with man's best. You can say, that's not good enough for me. I want, man's, I want God's best. I've got to have God's best in my life. Would you stand to your feet with me here this evening? i are going to pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you, Lord, so much for your word and how your word speaks. God, I am thankful to be a part of this meeting. And I'm excited to hear what you're going to accomplish through this church. And I pray, God, that the folks here would not be content with man's best, but they would take that step of faith, anticipating your best. God, whatever you want to do in hearts and lives here tonight, I pray that you would accomplish that, that you might be honored and glorified. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.